So this past <clears throat> week I was on vacation with a group of uh, priest buddies. We're in a, a group, they call it a caritas group. It's like a priest fraternity group. We meet once a month for a couple days for fraternity, a nice meal, sharing, we pray together, uh, and just chat. And we decided, we're like, you know, we've never, there's a bunch of these groups in, in the diocese and even in America, and we're like, never heard of a caritas group like taking a vacation together. So we're like, let's take a vacation together. I think it'd be great. There's seven of us. And we decided, we're like, where do you want to go? And we're like, well, we'll just kind of let God provide a place. And he provided Alaska. It's seriously. And I, what I mean by that is there's no way seven of us could afford to go to Alaska. But there was a guy that, a pretty uh, well-off businessman who found out that we do this and we pray together and we share and we hang out and it's good for our priest, like, priesthood. And he's like, well, I'm, that's amazing. You guys, he's like, I'll pay for part of your trip. So he bought our tickets and our lodging. That's the only way I got to go to Alaska. But it's the first time I've been. And why I haven't been to Alaska before, I have no idea. Why don't, why people go anywhere else in the world other than Alaska? I don't know. Why people spend thousands of dollars to go to Orlando, to Disney World, or Universal Studios, and not Alaska, I don't know. That state is one of the most majestic, beautiful, fascinating, exciting, dangerous states that I've ever been to. And it's massive. You know how they say everything's bigger in Texas? That's just stupid. Alaska's like a third of America. It's a, I mean, <laughs> the Russians are still mad about that loss. We bought it for like $7 million. There's nothing. And then there's gold and oil and anyway. And as, as far as like natural beauty, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And I couldn't have gone at a better time. Because as all you were hanging out in 100 degrees, I was in a balmy 65. <clears throat> it was wonderful. Alaska's motto is the last frontier. And if you ever go there, it is truly the last frontier before you get into the absolute wilderness. But as I was coming back, I was kind of praying over the trip, and the word that just came to me as I prayed through the, the vacation was adventure. Alaska is a place of adventure. And I love adventures. I love going on all types of different adventures. Like we got to go on these, these canoes. And basically I had to go on these canoes across this big bay in the Pacific at high tide. And then you had to go back like a mile and a half to get back to where the fresh waters were that the salmon were running to. is the sockeye salmon run during this time. You guys, I've never been in fishing like that in my life. You know, there's people are like, oh, I went to Skakawee and I just hammered walleye. I caught 72 fish in two days. And I didn't even catch them. You snag them. So basically, there's this weighted hook. It's a treble hook with a weight on it. And you, you're in this, like, all these, these fish, are, you can just see them everywhere. And you just pitch it out over the top of them. And then you, you reel in real fast. And when you get over them, you just rip real hard. And it snags them. And then they fight. They don't like being snagged. They fight. I have never. They're a seven, eight pound fish. They feel like a 30 pound northern. Man, they're flying up in the air. You got to, you know, it's just, it's wild. We had an absolute blast. But here's the catch. I don't know if you know this about me, but I hate canoes. I hate them. 
We recently did the father-son canoe trip down the Missouri. Hated every minute of it. I don't trust canoes. My whole argument is, why a canoe when we have boats? Canoes are terribly unstable. I hate the things. My point of the story, though, is that if I'm choosing a life of adventure, I'm choosing to go on this adventure, this salmon run, I have to do things that I don't like. I have to do dangerous things. I have to do things that are unknown to me. You actively, to go on an adventure, by definition, you actively have to put yourself into the unknown. When we fished, I had very, very little idea what I was doing or where I was going. But my buddy who lives up there kind of basically told me how to get there and what to use. But other than that, I was headed to a place completely unknown to me. And we had to use a canoe. I found this out because of the title changes. The place where we were at in Alaska is the greatest tidal swings in the world. They're 20 to 25 foot tides. So that means every 12 hours, the water rises 20 to 25 feet and then drops 20 to 25 feet. We wa- you can watch it. Every minute it moves a half inch. Now, that's a very, very important point when you're fishing. So when we canoed in, we got all the way in, and it was high tide. Didn't really think to even ask about this stuff because I'm from North Dakota. I'm geographically as far away from the ocean as you can get. That's why I love Beach, North Dakota. It's my favorite town in North Dakota. But as we were there, so we we made sure our canoes were high up and, and, and secured, and then we fished for like the next five or six hours. And I didn't even realize it. Little by little by little, the water was receding. And I'm, I'm having so much fun, I'm, I'm focused on catching fish. I'm hooking salmon, having a blast, and I don't even notice that little by little, I'm just, I keep moving further and further and further down because the water's dropping. Well, all of a sudden, we had our limit, and I'm like, let's go home. We turn, our canoe is 20 feet, 20 feet above where the water is. And I, look, I turn for the first time and look out, and I'm like, there's no water. The bay is empty. There's just this little channel. And I'm like, I don't know how we get out of here. You know how you get out? You wait for six hours. So instead of getting home at five, we got home at like 10 or 11. But while we were there, you know, Father Paul Gardner, he was, he was with, God bless him. He's just the adventurous type. So he, he built this big fire. And then we took you know, salmon right out of the ocean and tried to cook it. Like cut out the guts and threw the whole fish in the fire because we didn't have any pans or anything. We were going to be like mountain men eating fish, raw fish. Yeah, we burned it. Like <laughs> Fish just fried inside. So it was like burnt on the outside, raw on the inside. But we tried to make the best of it. But as I was sitting on the shore thinking, because that's how you had a lot of time to think, I was like, what an image for life. We get focused on something, whatever that is. And little by little, our entire world changes around us without us even perceiving it until it's too late. And then we're just stuck. Like a man who gives himself over to work and forgets about his wife and his family. And then all of a sudden, one day, he's stuck. He has no relationship with his wife. He has no relationship with his kids because all he's done is work. 
Or a parent who's so focused on their kids that they forget about their spouse. One day, little by little by little, one day they wake up, they look at their spouse and they're like, who are you? I know we've seen you, but I've been so devoted to my children, I don't even know who you are anymore. Or the kid who's so focused on football or basketball that they forget about their schooling. Or somebody that gets so caught up in partying and having a good time and drinking and drugs that all of a sudden one day they wake up and they're like, I'm a slave. I'm stuck. It was such a metaphor for life for me. And God knows you and I are prone to distraction. So today he points us to the answer. God the Father says this. He says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. There's a lot of things you can listen to. There's a lot of distractions you can get focused on. But he has got to be the most important. See, here's the thing. Salmon fishing, there's nothing wrong with that. And work, there's nothing wrong with that. And sports, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is when you make that your priority. And then your whole life begins to change around you without you even realizing it. Until one day you look up and you're stuck. For our little canoe trip, all I had was a buddy who gave me directions. It didn't take away the danger of the trip. The ocean was still there. It was cold enough to get hypothermia in three minutes. The tides were still dangerous and huge. And we're still in a stupid canoe. But it was enough to guide me through that adventure. And I listened to my friend and I had fun on the adventure because I listened to him. And I listened to him because I trusted him. Because he knew Alaska. Because he knew that bay. Because he knew salmon fishing. How much more does the father know this life? How much more does he know how to live? But will you listen to him? Will you trust him? Take him as the guide for your life. You know, this voice of the father today telling us, listen to his beloved son. It's not trying to ruin our lives. It's trying to save our lives. I don't know if I've told you this, but I got a buddy. And in high school, uh, he got hit by a train. And I know that story very well because the, the night that that happened, I was at St. Alexis. Our whole class was praying for his life. And I think this story is very applicable to this gospel today. As the doctors were fighting to save his life, he began to fade. His heart grew weaker. His blood pressure wouldn't stabilize. And upstairs where his family was, a nurse came out and said to the family, your son's putting up a good fight, but we're losing him. His blood pressure is failing and we need your help. She said that when a family member talks, the person suffering can hear them. We know this, right? Hearing is the last thing to go. And even if they look asleep or unresponsive, sometimes it's enough to bring them around. And so the father said to the nurse, let's go. My buddy said that his father's words were not faint. They were spoken like a five-star general, not a whisper, but a boom of thunder. He said his dad often tried to talk to him before and always thought that he wasn't listening to him. But he never stopped trying to reach him. His words were always hard, but true. He said, I always my, my father understood which path would burn me. And he wanted to keep me from that fire. But when his father spoke, he knew his voice. And he knew he could trust it. So amidst the operating room of doctors everywhere, 
putting in, literally putting his guts back into his stomach area, setting bones, mending lacerated flesh, his father spoke. He said this. He said, Lance, this is your dad. You listen to me. You have only one job. You must fight. Fight with everything you got. And these words, he said, were not a soft suggestion. A father doesn't suggest what will save his child. He demands what will save his child. The results were instant. His heart rate began to strengthen. And so he spoke again. And he said, no matter what, you cannot give up. You must live. You hear me? You live. You can do it. I believe in you and I love you. His heart never faded again. And after 10 years of struggle and suffering and surgeries, he's married with two beautiful children and he's one of the best men I know. It's amazing what the voice of a human father can do for his son. How much more can God the Father do for his children? But you've got to know his voice so when it speaks, you can hear it and you can trust it and you can follow it. This is why I never stopped harping on you about prayer. How can you know the voice of God unless you pray? And the world, you guys, is loud right now. And like those tides I told you about earlier, the world is dangerous because it keeps you focused on the wrong thing until it's too late. The adventure of life is not just about pursuing the next big high or going on the next big trip. It's the greatest adventure of all time, but you need a guide. Someone who's with you along the way. It will give you enough light to take the next step into the unknown. You guys, the dangers of this life will always be here because it's a fallen, broken world. And because there's dangers, there's fear. And fear can either paralyze you or it can open you to a whole new world. I just listened. I heard this quote. I don't know who said it. But I was listening to a podcast. The quote is this. Fear awakens us to the fact that an opportunity has arrived. Fear has awakened us to the fact that an opportunity has arrived. What kind of opportunity? An opportunity to get beyond ourselves. To do something different. Crazy. And to step out in absolute trust and surrender. Or just to be paralyzed and control everything around you. Not knowing is the requirement for an adventure. And the adventure of life causes fear. But in fear there is opportunity for something new. Something exciting. And we don't do it alone. We listen to the beloved Son of the Father, in whom God is well pleased. Will we listen to him today and every day? Do we know his voice? More than anything, will we trust him?